You are listening to your community spirit. I th- thought I'd throw in that song and be a little sarcastic. <laughs> it's like we basically it's a song that we don't want any rain, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like so. Um, this is Ord, the Energy Mon, and this is Tree Song, and we are live, local, and. In your ear. I was going to say in your face, but you can't be in your face with a radio show. Well, the radio waves are in their face. So. <laughs> Just like, if you stick your face in front of the radio, we are in your face. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the radio show, which is live, yes. Um, I wanted to talk about this book we just got in the mail. The Old Ways, A Journey on Foot by Robert McFarland. You got mail. Now, one of the... That's so outdated. <laughs> A little um, bit. The, the fr- incoming freshmen who are listening to us are like, what's that sound he's making? Is, is that some sort of old people joke? It's just like, well, we're talking about books, so this is really old. Yeah. Um, the best part of having this radio show is the fact that we get books before they're actually on sale. So this book will be on sale September 24th, mm-hmm. and it's called The Old Ways, A Journey on Foot. McFarland sets off from his Cambridge, England home to follow the ancient tracks Holloways, cattle roads, and sea paths that crisscross both the British landscape, its waters, and territories beyond. Just the fact that someone's walking around yeah. should be a book. Wait, <laughs> people are still walking. It was called Walk Across America. Do you remember that? Do you remember that book back in the day? <laughs> so here's a new, updated version: uh, Walk Across England. Wait, no, it's called The Old Ways. The Old Ways. So, um, if you would like more information about that. Pigeon.com. Otherwise, look for it on September 24th. Or you can call me and um, somehow I would uh, let you borrow this book. (laughs) Yes, so you could also review it for whatever radio show you do. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... (laughs) um, I wonder if someone would actually be interested in reading the book before it's out. (laughs) Should we... I don't know. Give us a call. Yeah. What is the number? 618-457-3691. Yes. Yeah, it's like an interesting book about walking around England. So, um, did you know that we have been on the air? Uh, I have been on the air. I've been on the air, too. Yeah, it's like um, I've been on the air since August of 99. Ah. Okay? The show actually started before then. 
but I got invited to start the show, um, you know, toward the end of 99. So this is, we just did our 15th anniversary month. Yeah. So your community spirit has been on the air for 15 years. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. So what should we do to celebrate? We should, do people like our show, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Should we ask people to um, give us money in exchange? <laughs> that's that's modern society now. You give money to say, I I like you. Yes. Yes. Right. Sure, you like, like someone, you give them money. You know, well, you know, you don't give them direct money. You buy them things. Yeah. So should we ask people for our anniversary for our show to, you know, buy us something? What's the 15th? We need to look up the 15th anniversary. <laughs> Is that... Um, I think that's buy you a radio station. Yeah, can buy us a radio yeah, station. So. That's fifteenth is I think the radio station anniversary. Yeah, so um, if you would like to be a part of the WDBX community club, that's us. Yes, we're part of a club. We're part of a club. You could be part of a club too. Really? This is awesome. <laughs> I was like fifteen years I've been here and I didn't know I was part of a club. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, now you know. The community club is affordable. There is ways that you can pledge to give as little as $15 a month. That's 50 cents a day. I wonder, should we ask them to give us, um, well, let's see. Our show is on for a half hour out of the day, so they like this show. <laughs> I wonder if they like a show every day. Yeah. So is our show worth 50 cents? I like our shows with 50 cents. I may be a little biased. Yeah, so, so today, you like our show, give 50 cents. Tomorrow, is there a show you like? Maybe give 50 cents tomorrow. And that comes out to $15 a month. That's yeah. It. So. And then you're part of the WDBX Community Club. There you go. So you can help us. Well, yeah, I like doing this. I've been <laughs> doing it for 15 years. I guess I like it. Huh. All right. Yeah. I wonder if other people like it. <laughs> so, let's get on with the show. Please give us a call, 457-3691, and tell us you like us. Yes, that's 457-FM91. Oh, really? Yes. All these years, oh, yeah, I did know that. <laughs> but you probably did it like a couple years ago, and then now you remember it again. So, um, this has been a very interesting week. It's been a strange week. Yeah, it's like... There's been a lot of big news and little news in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, one of the things is we're trying to um, keep the price of oil high by attacking Syria. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know this, but the price of oil has gone up 4% since we've announced that, you know, we're going to, you know, mess with um, Middle Eastern politics. And apparently that's where oil comes from. So, you know, if you <laughs> yeah. make upheaval in that area, the price of oil goes up. So Yeah. Well, that's what happens when they put their country on top of our oil. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, they, uh, I saw a story about how the people who on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee who voted yes in favor of the strike, they got something like 83% more in donations from the defense industry than the people who voted no. Could be coincidence. It's only correlation. Doesn't necessarily prove causality. It's worthy of investigation, though. Um, did you see the um, the thing on the internet? It didn't say what percentage of Americans, though. Mm. It said, but it said the majorities of Americans uh, agree that we should send Congress to Syria. <laughs> yes, I did see that one. So, um, but majority nowadays, what is that? 
Yeah. Is it the majority of people who vote, the majority of people, you know, you can mess polls up. Yeah. Statistics. So, yeah, it's just the people who answer the phone. It's just like, <laughs> I tend to not answer the phone when it says unavailable, you know, yeah. on there. I'm like, they're not going to be there. Why should I answer? Yeah. If they don't want to know, they don't want to know who they are, then maybe we shouldn't answer. Did you know that coal is great? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. I don't think it's true. Um, it got us a long way, but I think its day is done. <laughs> Illinois concedes kids maybe shouldn't be brainwashed by big coal. Maybe. Maybe. In Illinois, teachers use cute cartoons of coal to teach kids that our dirtiest fossil fuels are great. <laughs> but don't blame the teacher. Blame coal lobby, industry lobbyists, and the state government. The Illinois Coal Technology Development Assistant Act calls for the promotion of coal in, listen for this, school curriculum. A curriculum developed in 2004 to comply with that law blends coal-related lessons into math, geology, and economics classes and art and essay contests. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately, there's now a gust of intellectual fresh air that could help clear Illinois classrooms of some of this nonsense. The state's Commerce Department, which oversees the coal education program, recently released a small report, 400 pages evaluation, that recommends an overhaul. The Midwest Energy News reports, the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunities Evaluation calls for retiring the current curriculum and revamping it to, quote, provide high-quality scientific content, a balance of perspectives, and a present coal as part of an energy portfolio in national and global context, end quote. So they're still going to be lying, just lying less. <laughs> just like and not as blatantly. I mean, I wish I could, I often wish I could beam pictures through the radio waves, but there was this picture of this little, the state of Illinois, that was it was a, the shape of state of Illinois, and it was made out of coal, and it had like arms and a smiley face, and it was, hi, I'm Mr. Coal. <laughs> it was so so ridiculous, over the top uh, coal propaganda directly into the schools. Yeah, there's I've seen some um, pretty funny like mascots. Like yeah, I, I do like the compact fluorescent guy. Hmm. He's like you know, um, essentially he looks like an upside down. Um, Males part, <laughs> you know, you know, if it, yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, but so. even so, the, I think the coal guy was even funnier. So let's hope this review with this is the people who get the money for the program and administer the program saying, ah, this program is BS, essentially. <laughs> yeah, now, it took them 400 pages to write that yeah eventually you know, they got around to it <laughs> which is kind of a big deal for any government agency to say hey you know you give us a lot of money but we don't really want to lie anymore <laughs> yeah we don't want to directly brainwash kids we may do like a fair and balanced approach that kind of skews the facts a little but the little dancing coal guy is over the top <laughs> just like I mean, and consider, I mean, you know, the coal lobby gives a lot of money to the state to do this program. Oh, yeah, they're powerful. You they know. give a lot of money for this yeah. program. But, um, but yeah, apparently maybe they'll give less once they realize they can't get away with quite as much 
blatant. Uh, no, I think they'll probably give just as much, but you know, I they'll mean, give more. They'll realize, oh, maybe if we give them a little more. Maybe that's the reason why the state did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, so you think we should not do coal so much? Yeah, it's a well, negotiation. Yeah, it's a negotiation. So let's see if we give you more money. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's see what we have in other fossil fuel news. Some earth-shattering reports here. Some fracking earthquakes. Yes, those those fracking earthquakes. Fracking triggered more than 100 earthquakes in Ohio. A single fracking wastewater well triggered 167 earthquakes in and around Youngstown, Ohio, during a single year of operation. That's according to a study published in the Journal of Geophysical Research. Those are people who actually study these Just sorts of things. stop you, that's only 12 earthquakes a month. Yeah, only people, 12 earthquakes a month. People can't That's... handle an earthquake every other day. That's I mean, a... they do it in California, don't they? Wait, yeah. they're used to it. They're <laughs> supposed to have earthquakes. They're used to it there, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Imagine us all of a sudden getting an earthquake every other day. It's like a free roller coaster ride. Yeah. At your home when you're trying to sleep. You actually can't in Carbondale get, um, what is it, ground settling insurance, hmm. basically, if because they've mined under here. Hmm. And so if your house just falls in <laughs> into a big hole in the ground, you get nothing. Yeah. Because the <laughs> insurance companies don't cover it. So um, they don't call it earthquake. They call it land settling. So I suppose if the earthquake was bad enough around here, we wouldn't get any money. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, they, it's, it's important, too. One thing you mentioned was we don't get many earthquakes around here. Earthquakes had never been recorded in the town of Youngston before 2010. So then they had all these studies... Uh, at the end of that year, frackers started pumping their waste from Marcellus Shale drilling projects into the 9,200-foot-deep North Star 1 injection well. Within two weeks, the area had experienced its first quake. So from January 2011 to February 2012, the area was jangled by 12 earthquakes every month. And, you know, a lot, most of them were imperceptible to most people in the area, but they grew in intensity over time. And they made it up to 3.9, at uh, 3.9 magnitude. Uh, yeah. So then uh, that was on the fi that was one day after the final injection well, and then after that they started having less of the earthquakes. They quickly tapered away. Yeah. So the Ohio Department of Natural Resources closed down the process, and then since then there's been an escalating. Um, can you say escalating, diminishing? Yeah, de-escalating, de maybe, diminishing. <laughs> Less earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. so, again, you know, there's a lot of complicated things that go on in geophysical sciences, but this report was released that says that they are confident that that's what caused it. Now, fracking, the fracking fight has spread to Europe. Fracking leaders have been peering across the pond at the Americans fracking boom with envy, watching as the U.S. gives itself a powerful economic edge by trashing its environment to extract natural gas and oil. Now politi political leaders and business leaders from England and Germany and Holland, um, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, for example, have started to push us to energy policies. Um, of course, many European city citizens are not so frack happy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in England, the the fur has been centered in uh, the West Sussex village of 
Bolcom, population of only 2,000, where a single drilling rig tapped an exploratory well has attracted the encampment of anti-fracking protesters. Now, dozens of them have been arrested, including a member of parliament representing the Green Party from the Washington Post. The worries have not only rattled Balcom's many well-heeled residents who have expressed their concern with characteristic restraint over tea at parish council meetings and with knit-ins, but also brought out a louder army of environmental activists. They recently descended on this retreat wearing the mask of Guy Fawkes, the Briton who tried to blow up Parliament in 1605. Shouting slogans and telling horror stories about the United States where they believe fracking has caused earthquakes, water contamination, and the rapid industrialization of areas that were formerly pristine. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that our country has become the cautionary tale for other countries. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> we can't do this. We'll become like America. <laughs> Everything will be ruined. <laughs> so... Well, uh, I would, it would be nice to see more people in the U.S. who have that response. As soon as it started coming to England and a few of these other countries, there were these big protests, and here it takes a long time to get small protests built. But people are working on it. Well, here's a protest that it sounds like it stopped, possibly. So the Keystone Oil Line. Yeah. That was the idea of running an oil line basically all the way across the United States. And so the oil companies in this, you want Yeah, in this article, yeah, the oil refineries don't care anymore about the Keystone XL pipeline. Yeah, we never cared, really. We didn't <laughs> want to do it. Yeah, there's no big deal. Yeah, we've heard from the Canadian oil industry that the Keystone XL pipeline is essential for the expansion of tar sands. But here in America, oil refiners are now saying they don't much care whether it ever gets built. The U.S. has its own oil boom going on, thanks to fracking, and a lot of that oil is being transported by rail car. More on that in a little bit. But meanwhile, existing pipelines from Canada to the U.S. are being expanded, a process that doesn't require new federal approvals. So they're, they're going around other ways. Uh, okay, wait a second. You can't build a new pipeline, <laughs> but you can expand the existing one yeah. without getting approval. Without getting approval, yeah. That's been happening with the power plants also. I don't know if you know that. They've not been able to get permits for new coal-fired power plants, so they just build another one on the existing site. Yeah. Without having to get approval. Now, if I wanted to build a shed on my property, I'm building a new building. Yeah. I have to get approval from the county. Yeah. And also, if you want to build an expansion on your existing shed, <laughs> you sure. have to get approval for yeah, the county. So they why, don't, uh, why do they not have to get approval for expanding their pipeline? Yeah. Well, I imagine they might have to get like a little bit of local approval, but not for the whole plan. Like... They don't have to do the big environmental assessment and all that that you have to do for a, a new pipeline. They don't have to get federal approval. Yeah, That's federal approval, says, yeah. yeah. And federal approval is important because then they do an environmental impact statement and all that. But who, who needs environmental impact statements? I mean, those are all those are passe. <laughs> They're now, out of style. Now, one thing about this article is, um, for example, Valero Energy Corp. has signed to receive oil from Keystone XL when the project was first announced and actually spent billions of dollars upgrading some of its uh, golf refineries yeah. to take the tar sand, Canadian tar sands and convert them. So um, it's not that they didn't want it. Yeah, they wanted it, but they... It's people stopped it from happening. Yeah, and part of the reason why they stopped it is the long wait for Keystone. And that, 
I mean, that's one small gem of encouragement I take away from this is, you know, sure, now they are finding a bunch of other ways, but I, I think political pressure and political activism helped discourage them from doing Keystone XL Pipeline. So it's probably going to quietly fade away rather than a big, no, we're not going to do it. But that's a sign if you can do that with Keystone, it can happen with other pipelines, other um, ways of transporting the fuel. So the company doesn't consider the pipeline critical to its business, but the company is now expanding rail terminals at its refineries in Quebec, in California, in Louisiana to receive more crude oil shipments, including heavy Canadian uh, crude. Um, and part of this is the long wait for the XL pipeline, the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, so now, okay, we're not building a pipeline that's going to leak all over the place. What are they doing with all the oil? <laughs> well, they're shipping it on the railways, which go through all our towns. Yes. Now, that, that's now, what our next story is about. Now, the thing is, is the interesting thing about all this oil stuff is nobody's talking about us using less. Because the thing is, is we have a voracious appetite for energy. Yeah. And so these companies are trying to keep up with it. So the fact that someone's trying to stop this is good but we need to use less that's the main thing we have to do yeah so as long right. as the demand is there by both individuals and industry and such there's going to be people trying to drill it safety inspectors target oil hauling trains now all that combustible fuel being produced by america's fracking boom has federal transportation safety officials on edge Inspectors have started scrutinizing train manifests and tank car placards on trains departing from North Dakota's region. The region is producing <clears throat> copious quantities of fracked oil, which is being carried to refineries and railway cars, many of them in a rail car model that's um, prone to explode. <laughs> okay. It's not a good sign. I was just like, um, Operation Classification was launched last month, just weeks after one such car carrying oil derailed and exploded in Quebec, killing 47 people and leveling much of the formerly scenic town. The U.S. Department of Transportation says it began planning the inspections in March after officials noticed discrepancies between contents of rail cars and the hazardous warnings they bore. So, highly combustible oil being traveled through our towns yeah so like right here through through carbondale well it is going down to louisiana so it's the train which goes through here goes down to um the train they call the city of new orleans goes yeah. through here so i mean the rail line reads, and chicago is a huge hub of transportation so right. goes through chicago through us down to new orleans yeah so um Gives, gives me some new thoughts, I think, whenever I hear the train going by. So I'm, I'm glad those inspectors are out there checking it to be sure it's not going to blow up. Yeah, I mean, especially <laughs> since, I mean, they're they're outright lying. I mean, the yeah. the labels on the tanks are not what's in the tank. Yeah. I wonder how bad they are about the lying. They're like, oh, this is just water. <laughs> it's actually highly compressed natural gas. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, somebody's keeping an eye on them, so that's good. But they need more oversight. And okay, we got we got to get to some happenings here, but we've got to mention one or two more stories in brief. Chile just got really good at creating drinking water from fog. 
Who'd like a tall glass of fog? Apparently the answer is people in Chile and 16 other very dry countries. So along with scientists from MIT, Chilean scientists developed a new, super-efficient way to wring the air juice out of the sky. The air juice? Yes. <laughs> it's a fog harvesting system. And it's more... They, it's nothing new, but they are doing it more efficiently now. They have a vertical mesh, like a little... like a large tennis net that it all accumulates on and then gets brought down into a container and then you drink it. So yeah, more water for people who are thirsty. Yeah, the, did you ever see the thing on online, the billboard that collects water? Oh, yeah, the billboard was cool, too. Yeah, it was essentially, you know, it explained the process on the billboard, and then they just had it, you know, it collected the moisture out of the air, and then it went down to a tank, and people could just, you know, fill up their things right under the billboard. Yeah, and those innovations are so much better than trying to run a pipeline 200 miles to wherever somebody else's water is that you're going to steal. So, all right. Happenings. Today happens to be Friday, the 6th of September, and today is another Look Unlimited Day. Hmm. Yes, let's see. Also coming up, we have on Saturday, Grandma Moses Day, uh, neither rain nor snow day. Um, well, I wonder if that, that may very well be true in southern Illinois, neither rain nor snow. <laughs> uh, it's also the anniversary of the Google founding. So you can Google how to find more information about the founding of Google. And it says it's Independence Day for Brazil. Sunday is UN International Literacy Day and the anniversary of the Star Trek TV premiere. Yes, Space the Final Frontier. And, of course, Independence Day for Ma uh, Macedonia. Uh, you know, pick, pick your... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Monday is Wonderful Weirdos Day. Uh, some of us get to be wonderful weirdos every day. That's right. Tuesday is Swap Ideas Day. Wednesday is September 11th, the anniversary of the World Trade Center Pentagon attacks. It's 9-11 Day. Libraries remember. It's also National Grandparents Day, Patriot Day, and National Hug Your Hound Day. On Thursday is Video Games Day. Now, I'm going to have a pretty busy day on Thursday, but maybe I'll try at some point to play a video game. I don't play them as much as I used to, but I do enjoy them. Oh, and I forgot. It is um, the Jewish New Year. Shana oh, yeah. Tova. It's the year 5774. So, um, a couple days ago, um, partied like it was 5773. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Gonna have a party like it's 5774. Oh, we better get in. Time's running out. Yeah, we only got a minute or two. All right. <clears throat> Happenings. Game night on Wednesdays at the Guy House Interface Center. In this high-tech world, sometimes it's nice to slow down. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Yes, and on Fridays at Guy House, it's open mic night. Fridays at 7 p.m. at Guy House Interface Center. On Fridays today at 2 to 4 p.m., the Local Organic Gardening Coalition of Carbondale, their garlic planting workshop, today from 2 to 4 p.m. at 3373 West Pleasant Hill Road. Grab a shovel, bring a friend, and come on down. Come on down. Also going on today at 6 p.m. is the Friday Night Fair. That's been going on for a while now. It's restarted back. I uh, took a little break for a month. And I, I think there's just until the end of this month. So yeah. get, get your fair on. Yeah, and I know the, the music 
the Carbonell Rock Survival is going on, so I'm sure they'll have some exciting stuff at the Friday Night Fair, too, with music. But all sorts of Car Carbonell Rock stuff going on throughout the weekend. Um, our two farmer's markets, the one on the west side of town from 8 until noon, and the one at the Carbondale Community High School, noon, uh, excuse me, 9 until 1. Um, both of these are on Saturday, and lots of good food from a lot of good farmers. Meet the farmers and eat their food. Yes, and on Wednesday, we have the Brown Bag Lunch Concert Series with Candy Davis. And that's over at the Town Square Pavilion. Next Wednesday, at 7 p.m., the other Southern Illinois, how our region changed the U.S. and why we must defend it. Jeff Biggers, American Book Award winner and Delta Award winner for literature in Southern Illinois, will give a talk on the other Southern Illinois, how our region changed the U.S. and why we must defend it. Again, that is next Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the Goyen Auditorium in the Morris Library on the SIUC campus. Yes, I'm definitely making it to that one and to this one. Time for one more. Responding to Sexual Violence, Campus Safety Awareness Month, Paddle and Glow Walk. It's coming up on Thursday, September 12th, next week. A bunch of groups, the Women's Center, the Department of Public Safety, Center for Inclusive Excellence are all working together on National Campus Safety Awareness Month. There's a talk at 7 p.m. about responding to sexual violence. Then after the talk, there's going to be a panel and information tables and a, a consent celebrating activities and a glow walk across campus to encourage safety. So, yes, that's coming up on Thursday at Grinnell Hall on the SIU campus. So this has been hopefully an exciting Yes, definitely exciting and informative. <laughs> just, I'm trying to pause there to let the crickets chirp. Yes. <laughs> just like, it's always exciting and informative for us. I hope our listeners like it, too. All right. We will talk to you again on the radio next week. Give us a call, 618-457-3691, and let us talk to you about joining the WDBX Community Club, which is the chance to, um, well... Keep us on the air for another 15 years. Um, our radio show, Your Community Spirit, just did our 15th year anniversary. So I hope you can give us a call and give us an anniversary present. 618-457-3691.